Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today, and I'm joined as always by my good friend, my business partner, uh, the wonderful Jason Johnston Yellen. But this time around, we've decided to pregame a little bit and charge our glasses with a little bit of. Well, what do we have, Jason? Tell tell the listeners what we got. Well, first of all, it's lovely to be here. It is. Recapping the year that has been 2021. I was looking at the bottle that we're consuming here at the corner of my eye, and the year 2018 is on it. And it really threw me for a loop where I'm starting to think, which year are we recapping here? <laughs> because I've, I've spent most of 2021 believing it's 2020. And so to see 2018 hmm. on this label was not good for me. But given that we are dropping this episode the week between what many people call Christmas and what many, many people call New Year, we have the Christmas Malt 2018 from our friends at the Whiskey Exchange. Are there people that don't call Christmas Christmas? Some people call Christmas Day Saturday in 2021. <laughs> so it's not that they don't necessarily call, they avoid calling Christmas Christmas, but Christmas Day, Saturday, weekend, you know? Yeah. It still seems like Christmas to me. Isn't that a song? It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas <laughs> to Joshua. Because he's eating Chinese food. And, and he's going to watch a movie <laughs> with his family. You have a similar tradition, right? Little little Chinese food in a movie. Do you do the Chinese food? Do you have Chinese, access no, I, to Chinese food? <laughs> <laughs> so we've... <laughs> so obviously being vegetarian, like we don't really dip into the traditions of Christmas dinner. Mm -hmm. But but as I've talked about many times on the podcast, Saturday for us is pizza movie night. Mm -hmm. And this year, Christmas falls, as I mentioned mere moments ago, on a Saturday. Oh, and yeah. really, we should say it, it did fall because this episode is post-Christmas. Correct. But with it being on a Saturday, we decided... To make Christmas pizza and Christmas movie night. So your toppings are candy canes and honey glazed ham. Oh no, that's right. You're vegetarian. Um, well, you're going to like this. Yeah, you're going to like this. Yeah. We are going to make, you know, full, full disclosure, we are recording this before the break here. Um, but we have made a mashed potato pizza with garlic olive oil. Oh, man. Oh, Manischewitz. Does that sound good? And fresh picked arugula over the top. Wait a second. How are you able to freshly pick arugula? Uh, Tamara has December. arugula growing in her greenhouse that we can use on Christmas Day. There you go. Yeah, she's been harvesting carrots from the garden. Don't quite know if we'll work carrots into a pizza. Um, we've got beets, golden beets and red oh, beets that yeah. are still in soil, 
ready to be brought out and roasted. Those will yeah. definitely appear on a pizza with some freshly sliced apple. We still have some local apples available to us in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. I'm telling you, beets, apples, arugula, and goat cheese. Mm-hmm. That. 100%. That's a pizza right there. Yep. Take a boo little drizzle of extra virgin olive oil over the top of that, crack a fresh Ooh. pepper, maybe on a maybe on a green base. Mm. You know, we've we've got so much pesto stored in our, our freezer. We've got arugula pesto, we've got kale pesto. The, one of the things we don't have is basil pesto. Our basil didn't do well this summer. But that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> well, uh, just so you're aware, so our listeners are aware. We, even though our tradition is Chinese food in a movie, uh, by the time this airs, we will have returned from a trip to seeing my grandma down in Florida. And so we're going to be doing some Florida Chinese food in a movie. Mm. So that'll be mm. nice. Are there some yeah. particular Florida traditions that you've got an eye on? No fucking clue, man. I'm just going Rassle a gator? Uh, you know, I'm going to wrestle a Florida man. <laughs> a Connecticut man wrestles a Florida man. <laughs> yep. Thong optional. <laughs> so, so before we get into our year in review, and, and one of the things we're going to do in today's episode mm -hmm. is identify a favorite One Nation Under Whiskey episode mm -hmm. from the year, which... Ah, that's a difficult task, isn't it? And then we're going to identify a favorite single cast nation whiskey of the year. Okay. And given that it's us, probably identify a runner up or two. <laughs> we're going to identify a non SCN whiskey of the year, favorite mm -hmm. whiskey of the year, probably a, a runner up or two. And and one of the things last year, we played around with the rules a little bit. If you want that to be a whiskey, great. If it's a rum, fine. If it's a, you know, if it's something else, that's fine as well. Just something that you put over your lips in 2021, nearly said 2020, that, that really got your attention, really had you returning to. And, and that's fun. But before we get to the, the business of the day, and, and let me ask this question. Is there anything else we do in the year in review episode that I've forgotten about? Well, yeah. You know, I was trying to think about this. The unfortunate thing about this episode, which I, I loved what you said in our previous episode, where, you know, we say, well, we're going to task ourselves to to identify what our favorite episode is. And you said, well, my favorite episode is the uh, is the year in review episode? <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's that. So we so we do the favorite episode. We do the favorite single cast nation bottling or two. We do our favorite <laughs> non SCN bottling or two. And I feel as if there is something else that we're meant to be doing. But like what else? What else do we do, Jason? I think we just witter away and we enjoy one another's company. I will say this. Some of the, the book talk weaves its way in occasional episodes. 
And I have to say, in the last episode, you made reference to the book Zero by Charles Safe. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. You couldn't oh, yeah. remember the last I name think in, it's in the last episode. I think it's C. S-E-I-F-E. Yeah, I think it's C. Yeah. And so I I got a copy from my local library. Wow. And and I read it yesterday. And I have to say, it was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. From from the you know the the coverage of the history of zero as a concept or the avoidance of zero, the avoidance of infinity, into talk about black holes and quantum theory. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I will say, just like my high school experience, the calculus portion of the book was my weakest portion of the book. Ah, well, yeah. You know, and I love to talk around, you know, Newton and and Leibniz, you know, (laughs) independently working on calculus. That was very cool. But as he's describing calculus... I'm really sorry, but it went over my head again, just like it did in high school. It, it listen, it it did and does the same for me. Anytime I I return to it, I you know, you you know this about me, and I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I only went as far as high school, and then you know went on to to go to school for broadcasting and. And then I, I graduated from the school of hard knocks, and uh, and so I never. Which it shows on your face. <laughs> There's a lot of hard knocks. <laughs> and and while I was good at math, I I got up to you know some geometry, a little bit of trig in high school, but it was never my forte. And and because I didn't go to university or anything, I I never went further with my math. Meanwhile, my dad who decided to go back to university, uh, went in and, and majored in calculus, and he would show me his work. <laughs> He's like, so I got I got my work for the semester, and it was a singular problem. Like, that's your work. <laughs> it's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. Yep. Um, but but what, what was uh, nice about Zero is that aside from that, I think anyone could read it. Anyone can can have a little fun with that book for sure for sure the only the only thing that i think is now to the detriment of the book is just unfortunately that it was published in 2000 Mm. right i i wanted charles to talk about another two decades of zero and infinity and space and quantum you know uh, the large hadron collider you know like there'd be i feel like there was Oh, there are more chapters to go here. Yeah. Um, damn it for being published in 2000. But yeah. Do you think yeah, the sequel I, I, will I, be? Do you think if the first book was zero, will the sequel be one? It, it is, it's interesting you bring this up. I love the fact that there's chapter zero. Like the book <laughs> begins with chapter yes. zero. Right? It's like, <laughs> it, 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 that's the main point there. <laughs> and in one of the points he talks about a Polish... A mathematician who was traveling with his wife and they'd taken six items of luggage with them. And at one point he turns to his wife and he says, I think we've lost an item of luggage. And she looks over them all. She says, no, they're, they're all there. He says, no, count them with me. Zero, one, (laughs) two, three, four, five. (laughs) Right. 
like <laughs> it's missing. And so I, I got a chuckle out of that. Uh, Zeno's paradox um, is something that I particularly uh, love. Zeno's paradoxes I particularly love. And so getting some time spent covering the, the one in Achilles in a race with a tortoise was great to reinvestigate that uh, as well. So yeah, thumb up to you. And I know that we do have listeners who are are taking some of our book recommendations and uh, this this is right up their alley the dan barber the recommendation of the third plate mm-hmm. uh, chris sebastian Sebas, actually reached out to me and said jason i don't know if you've read it but i highly recommend dan barber's third plate mm-hmm. and i said Sebas, if you recall I recommended that book to you. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> he said, well, it tells you how much that I enjoyed it that I've now been recommending to, to people, including the person who recommended it to me. So amazing. thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely amazing. <laughs> and then one, one final thing that I'll add here, and, and this was your recommendation coming together with a recommendation by Andrew Miller, The Champagne of People, where he had recommended the book The Swerve to me. And mm. Charles Seth, Seif, Seif in Zero talks a little bit about atomism. Mm-hmm. And The Swerve is about atomism. And it's really well done as well. It was one of my favorite books oh. that I read this year. So, so I'm putting author? out a recommendation for The Swerve. The Swerve. Who, who is the author? Do you recall? I'd have to look it up. Yeah, I, I don't. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I will also say this: uh, when Charles Safe starts talking about Hubble, and it starts, you start thinking about the Hubble telescope. The book, The Last Stargazer, that came out this year by yeah. Dr. Emily Levesque, mm-hmm. that is fantastic as well. That's well worth a read. There's an example in the Zero book where they talked about a, a couple of researchers in New Jersey thinking they were getting um, feedback. Mm -hmm. They were trying to listen to the universe Mm -hmm. and they thought they were getting feedback on the recording from pigeon shit inside their antenna. And so they cleaned their antenna to get the pigeon shit out of it and they still heard this buzzing in the background of the recording. Mm -hmm. And it turned out they'd been listening to the Big Bang. Microwaves from the Big Bang uh, were being heard by them. And so I just love the thought that two guys who then won the Nobel Prize for their scientific research had been out cleaning pigeon shit off an antenna. <laughs> I love that story. That, that that's, So that way, that, that story appeared in this, the new book, The Stargazer? So it's in Zero. Yes. And, and in Emily Levesque yeah. covered it uh, in The Last Stargazers as well. Mm, so. Okay. I thought that was a good recommendation to put out into the world as well. So, so there's a there's a few books to be going on with. So, let's get to the matter at hand. Now that we've we've lubricated ourselves a little bit with this 17 year old Christmas malt, and again, you know, this is the uh, whiskey exchange bottling from 2018. It was a 17 year old 58. 0.7% alcohol. And I love our choice. Before we pressed record, we'd said, do we do the red wax or do we do the green wax? 
And you had said, <laughs> let's do the red wax because that's the one we like more. And as soon as I poured it, I remember why we like it more. Oh, it's so good. It, it, yep. It's, it's and, all the spices of the season. It really is nice. Yep. Yep. And, and just to reiterate, as always, we purchased this with our own money. Mm-hmm. This is a purchase that made it onto our shelf a couple of years ago now because we wanted it on our shelf. Do you, do you know something, Jason? You and I could likely save so much money if we just said yes to samples. Imagine that. Yeah. I'll happily say yes to samples. Yeah. I would, I would say yes to giving them a good review, but I'll happily <laughs> say yes to samples. So let's let's get to the matter at hand. Yes. And so beginning at the beginning. Step one to our year in review is you and I are to bring forth our favorite episode of One Nation Under Whiskey, not extra extra. I don't think it makes sense to bring one of those episodes in as as a favorite because uh, those stories sort of come and go. Sometimes they come and stay stay for a while, and you know when we're talking about tariffs and Brexits and, and things like that. But still, we're talking interviews, we're talking conversations, and so this morning I went through the list of our uh, fifth season. And mm-hmm. I have selected a favorite. Have you gone ahead and done the same? <laughs> I hate this part because <laughs> I don't know what we must must say this every year. At least I must say this every year. But we never half-ass an episode of One Nation Under Whiskey. We nope. never think, ah, that's good enough. Nope. We look for interesting guests who'll say something, if not unique, and sometimes they do say something unique, but will certainly bring their unique perspective to the conversation. And as I went through the list of episodes, and I went through 2020's episode, so I also went into uh, a January episode as well. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, so you went yes. into season four as well because season five starts indeed. in the in the February. Oh, jeepers creepers. I, you know, I hadn't done right that. Now, there's an extra month to throw in here. Jesus. Okay, so I'm but gonna let me, I, so let, I, Yeah, go ahead. Here's the point I'm making is we ran through quite a variety of topics. Yes, we had Scotch, but then we also had you know, partly the spirits business with Bill Thomas. Mm-hmm. We had making a, a whiskey movie with Greg Swartz. We've got Scotch, an American single malt, and bourbon. We've even got gin covered. I nearly said Jim. It's very <laughs> early in the podcast. And if my if I'm lo- loose lips are sinking ships here, I'm in I'm in trouble. Damn it, you Jim. Know, we, I'm a doctor. we had yep. <laughs> you know we, we had time drinking mezcal with Elijah and Jess. Mm-hmm. We had ourselves listing 10 bottles that have to be on shelves. We remembered Michael Jackson, right? Mm. We mm. <sighs> We did a lot, and I and I say that as somebody who's incredibly proud of how much we covered, yeah. and and how varied our conversations were, and to then look back over that and say, 
what was your favorite? That's damn tough. Damn tough. See, even in that little synopsis, I missed rum. We had an episode on our project with Scott and Becky at Catoctin Creek. What's that have to do with rum? Rye. <laughs> ah, okay. So you had a big. Let me say this. Of- <laughs> we also <laughs> missed rum. <laughs> we spoke to Steve Megary. Listen to this. You, oh. you put cognac in a barrel, it's whiskey. <laughs> you put you put vodka into a barrel, that's rye whiskey. I think that's where you were going. Listeners are right. only <laughs> tuning into this episode. Joshua has not lost his mind. He's no. re- referencing somebody who lost their mind. Huh? Uh, so you ready? So, so now that I've given all the caveats, all, all, all the caveats. Yeah, I. You want to? I've you selected. Do you do you want me to lead, or would you like to lead? No, no. I'm I'm going to rip the bandaid, or I'm going to lose confidence again. I'm. I'm I'm hitting this Christmas malt pretty hard to okay. to find some Dutch courage at the bottom of my glass. Okay, I pol- apologies to any uh, Dutch people listening because that could potentially be a uh, uh, you know an insult to the to the Dutch folk. <laughs> I don't know. We'll wait for Tune to call in. So so I haven't heard the answer to this question. Are you saying it, and that's you ripping off the Band-Aid? So am I giving you the floor, or are you telling me to rip off the Band-Aid, and I have the floor? No, you are giving me the floor. So rip off the fucking Band-Aid already. <laughs> Tell us what's happening. <laughs> Georgie Crawford. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Uh, I like this choice for a multitude of reasons, but I want to hear your reason why the Georgie conversation was the best, your favorite of the year. We never met her mm-hmm. in any capacity. Ever, ever, ever. We'd heard so many very good things about her, mm-hmm. especially from our, our own dear Jess. And uh, here, here we go. I'm going to speak out of school here. I'm going to give some information to our listeners. Hmm. Jesus. You and I are are famous for our lack of preparation. Uh-huh. And, and we just pitch up and, and sometimes we'll have we'll have guests say to us, hey, what are we gonna talk about? And we say it's just gonna be a whiskey conversation over some drams. Don't stress it. We're just here to have some fun. And we gave that response to, to Georgie. Mm-hmm. And the response was well, I'm going to need an agenda, right? Yeah. Yep. And and in that moment, it felt a little Diageo. And mm. obviously, Georgie <laughs> spent a long time with Diageo. She understood the ins and outs of, of operating with Diageo. Now here she is with an as yet unnamed distillery on the south shore of Isla. And... And we put our heads together mm-hmm. and we jotted down some questions and we sent them off to Georgie and and that was great. That's exactly what she wanted to see. And it made me question what the interview was going to be like. Yeah. If it was going to be a little bit of question one leads into question two, mm-hmm. leads into question three. And then 
even in the 10, 15 minutes that we chatted before we hit record, we instantly hit it off as a group. Yes. And we were just bouncing back and forth. And then we went into the interview and it was a whiskey chat that was you and I asking the types of questions that we tend to ask and then going on little tangents as we saw fit. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really, really good time. And so she lived up to the advanced billing mm-hmm. in terms of how other people had spoken about her. She wasn't, you know, Diageo through and through with I'll only talk about what's on the question list. And we left it saying, let's get some drams when we're on Isla the next time. And it it just felt like we'd made a new whiskey friend, which is what we're always looking to do with our interviews. And as I look back on it, I think... I think that was that was one that I, I really enjoyed and really enjoyed putting out there. I'm going to give you a runner-up if that's okay. I'm going to put a pin. I'm going to put a pin in my runner-up. Okay. And I'm going to hear your favourite before I give you my runner-up. I'm so glad that you came up with a runner-up because I also have a runner-up. Um, I knew you would. Gosh, come on. You know me. I could have six runners <laughs> I could. How many episodes did we do? 22, I could have 22 runners 23, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Very easily. Okay, who's your winner? My winner, it's an unusual episode in that I do not appear in the conversation at all. Mm. And this is season five, episode 11 with Bill Thomas of Jack Rose. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, I said this the very next episode, which was uh, us with Bruce Russell. Actually, I said it later on, you know, within the episode, but I think I brought it it up again when we were speaking with Bruce Russell. Listening back to that conversation, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass or up anybody's (laughs) ass. Ooh, tickly. (laughs) Uh, But but I I stand by. Uh, That was... That was... I'm going to use your word. That was a masterclass in how to conduct an interview. <laughs> that I, I'm not saying that as a as a friend, as a business partner, or, or anything. <laughs> this is just someone who listens to interviews every day, be it from Terry Gross or Howard Stern or um, what's his name? Chris from ID10T, um, armchair expert, Dak Shepard. You know, there, there's plenty of people who have podcasts and shows that are doing all sorts of interviews. And in my mind, the kings of the interview or the royalties of the interview are, are Terry Gross and Howard Stern. And I felt that that conversation was up to the caliber of their interviews. I just thought oh, it was something special. Something very special. Yeah, that's... Thank you. That's, that's very embarrassing to listen to so many platitudes. Um, but, and I, and, I, and I, I said it at the time of that episode as well. I felt so honoured to get so much of Bill's time, knowing that he's running around constantly and... You know, always thinking up new ideas. He's in a 
pandemic that's crippling the hospitality industry. He's working out how to support his staff. He's got a lot on his plate. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we could just sit down in a booth on the lower level of Jack Rose and just learn about him was really magnificent. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. So I'm glad it resonated and I'm glad... I'm glad you enjoyed it as much as you did. Yeah, I've returned to it a few times. I, I have. Oh, cheers. Yep. Cheers. I also realized, once I gave you the floor to identify your your favorite episode, you'd said that you thought the Georgie selection made sense. You, that there were some, some things that you saw mm. in that selection. I didn't give you a chance to articulate those, so... so well, in a way, you really didn't need to. I, I, I think you identified exactly why I think it makes sense because of everything <laughs> that you had said. <laughs> we were told the type of person that she would be. And it was one of these situations where there was, there was not a second of awkwardness. We went into, like she had us said hello. Right, we went into it, and mm-hmm. we were 100%. instant friends, and the conversation yep. was amazingly easy. And there were certain things that, you know, without going into any detail, there were certain things that that I think you and I said, you know, let let's let's not touch on this. There's no need to bring this X into the conversation. And I don't think bringing in. I don't think not bringing in X or not bringing in Y to the conversation made it any lesser. I think the Mm -hmm. conversation Mm -hmm. did everything that I hoped it would do, give us a history as to where she came from, show us a little bit of the crystal balls to where she's going and what she's doing. And meanwhile, a friendship is budding there. Like that was just cool as hell. Yep, agreed. Season five, episode twenty. I, I liked when you said season five, episode eleven for your selection. So I went back and took a little peek. And so season five, episode twenty here for the Georgie Crawford. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. So now I feel a little bad because my runner-up is an episode that doesn't include you in the interview. Interesting. And I, and I wouldn't normally have selected it for that reason. But you love the sound of uh, your voice so much that you're like... <laughs> but, but here's why I did select it. Because I don't think I did a lot of talking in this interview. Hmm. I got to sit back and listen to this other person whose energy and enthusiasm and passion... And love for all things whiskey was absolutely contagious. And he really has become one of my favorite people in the industry. And I still don't know if you've sat down and talked with him. I I am at a complete loss. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to think who this could be. You you had to beg out of the Zoom meeting interview Uh, because of illness. Nick Ravenhall of Hollywood. Uh, Season five, episode two, Nick Ravenhall. (laughs) Yep, managing director, Hollywood Distillery. What a blast it was just sitting, 
chatting with slash listening to uh, <laughs> Nick in that interview. He uh-huh. was he was just so much fun, so much fun. And he's the type of person that you and I come to these and our listeners come to these too as people who are already committed to this industry, right? Mm-hmm. And so we don't need to be persuaded of anything. But if you ever encountered Nick and you were on the fence about our industry, you would come away being 100% committed to the industry going forward yeah. because of all those those aspects that I outlined previously where he's just, he's great. He's mental. And I think his masthead <laughs> really speaks to that, uh, which was him uh-huh. jumping into the Cory Brecken. But, but yeah, so, so much fun. Such, such that, a good lad. Was, and when I was, went, it was him just wearing his budgie and nothing else. <laughs> his Florida face mask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> so... So no, just as I was going back through the episodes, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's easy to forget, okay, that, that's what happened in March or that's what happened in February or January when we look back on a full year. But, um, but yeah, the, uh, the, March, the March episode, only the second of, of this season. So I just got your Florida face mask joke. <laughs> the fact that it's simply not worn over the nose. It's worn so low it may as well be over your penis. Is that is that is that what you're talking about? <laughs> no, it's not. It's no. not. Mine is the we just we just mid December had Florida man getting kicked off a United flight because he tried to wear a thong as a face mask yes. in protest. Uh-huh. So when you mentioned is that him wearing his, his budgie smuggler? Um, it made me think of Florida man wearing his thong over his face <laughs> okay. uh, as a protest mask. <laughs> yeah, I'm not making any allusions to Nick Ravenhall's penis, but we can say, Joshua, it's always the penis with you. It is always the penis with me. So my runner up, we were both on this episode, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's nice that uh, I, I show up in at least 50% of these suggestions. <laughs> but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what it was. This, this was a season four episode. So v- right, right at the end, right before our... No, not, not right before our, our last one or second to last one. It was Susanna Skyver Barton. And the reason why I thought that that was a special conversation, it wasn't necessarily because it was the three of us getting on. We we always have. We've, you know, we've been friends with Susanna for some time. But this was the first time in my memory where we actually had to, where we actually had a real conversation around... Mm women in whiskey and what it's mm-hmm. like to be a woman in whiskey. And we talked about people of color in whiskey. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that struck me about that conversation is while while we agree with absolutely everything Susanna said and we support it wholeheartedly, there's something about that that commentary about women in whiskey 
coming from a woman or minorities in whiskey coming from a woman that middle-aged white man simply can't do justice, I think. Mm-hmm. And and so I was so thankful to have an alternate voice to to talk about this very serious fucking issues um, that are that are pressing and too often are are overlooked or too often so easy to ignore. It's like yes, I understand that's a thing, but we're going to do this thing over here. No, no, no. That that remains a thing, and we need to talk about it. And that and that's what I liked about this conversation and and some of the feedback that we got, not just from women, but from men as well, saying how refreshing it was to just hear real talk about women in whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then I think what ended up being one of our final interviews before moving on from Whiskey Advocate magazine, and I would love to have our back on the podcast mm-hmm. you know at this point in season six since we're, we're fully booked until that new season but i'd love to hear now about being a freelance female right. whiskey writer and what does that look like and what doors are open and and what doors does she feel are not open mm. Susanna's too smart to talk about that on a recording, but it's <laughs> it would be nice it would be nice to hear how freelance is treating her and what yeah. that's looking like. Yeah. Yeah. But she's she's a great person, a fascinating person to to speak with. So we're just looking for an excuse to bring her back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and any excuse to just hang out with her that's a good excuse. So now that we've named a favorite, and now that we've each named a runner-up. Which episode do you really regret not mentioning? Oh. <laughs> well, it sounds like you had one in the chamber. So why don't why don't you because now now I now I have to actually think about it. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm already racked with guilt, so I have a half dozen in the chamber. Here, the, the, but the, I, this is this is what I'll say. This is let, let me let me come out with this. I'm gonna interrupt you. <laughs> I I want to uh, this doesn't really answer your question but I think it highlights something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a position then. I really enjoyed the conversation we had with Miles Monroe at Westward. And part of the reason I enjoyed it so much is aside from us tasting mezcal with him on an episode. We had Elijah on with us, and Elijah got to ask some questions and asked some really interesting questions. And I just thought it was a great way to... I I just... I loved... I loved hearing a question from from a different point of view... Right, and mm-hmm. this is why you and I think play off each other so well. We think about things differently. We pose questions differently. Sometimes I have a question you don't think of, and vice versa. And now it's you know having this third voice, and and it makes me look forward to season six when we'll have interviews that hopefully Jess will be conducting as well. So bringing on these other voices, that while while it doesn't fit into the rubric of 
what is an episode you wish or you regret not mentioning? It's one that I'm I'm particularly proud of because it's the first time people are hearing Elijah's voice as an interviewer, and I thought it was a great start that'll only get better. Yeah, no, I, I will definitely allow it. I think that's a very good answer. And one of the episodes I regret not getting a chance to talk more about in our winner and our runner-up section of this was that very episode with Elijah and Jess. Where ah. we, we drank mezcal together. We talked yeah. mezcal. Yeah. We we hung out. We pinged back and forth. We paid attention to to their palates, um, since I think we've spent quite a long time with one another's palates. Hmm. But but in listening to what excites them and you know what are they looking for and it was just nice getting to spend time with them and and the fact that there is going to be a rum version of that and again that'll probably be a season six thing but it'll be nice to sit around and and do that again with the rums and I echo what you said it's great to hear Elijah in the Westward interview mm. and it will be great to see what comes from Jess having her recording equipment and conducting interviews in season six as well. Yeah, it's great. I love it. We've, I say it every year and it doesn't make it any less special to keep returning to it, but I, I love what we have achieved with One Nation Under Whiskey over five seasons. And mm. there's still a few episodes left in season five. We're not done here yet. Now, I'm sure I'll say this again at the end of the mailbag episode when we do conclude season five. But, you know, we're, we're talking about so many disparate things mm. in just a, a fun way with fun people that we want to hang out with. You know, we, we've talked about how much we enjoy Jason Parker. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how much we enjoy Lee and Bree at Backwoods. Mm-hmm. We got to hang out with Billy Abbott for an episode. You just talked about Susanna. Here's Elijah and Jess. Bill Lumsden's coming back for part three. Like, yeah. it's just so much fun. And and I'm looking, I'm staring right at it on, on my screen. This picture uh, with... Michael Jackson and his his partner of late, well, her not of late, but him of late, but his partner, Carolyn Smigalski and Hansa Fringa and, and Dave Broom and getting to hear them regale stories about this guy who who's done so much for the whiskey industry and has meant so many, so much to so many people, in, you know, definitely including yourself. I, I know his book is never... Yep. Uh, far from your hands. So, um, you know, there, there's so many special moments. Difficult to name them all. But, yeah, I'm looking at their faces here. And so that that's one I maybe I kind of regret not bringing that one up. <laughs> Wait a second. You answered that same question twice. Oh. <laughs> um, in two different ways. Well, listen, my Christmas malt is gone. I believe I, I heard you extricating the cork for a second pour, I'm ready to move on to talking about some whiskey and getting some more into my glass. Well, I did pop the cork. I did put a bit more Christmas malt into my glass, but I was thinking about moving on. Are you... Oh, oh, I... See, I heard the telltale sound of a vino seal. That's why I was trying so hard not to pour that for myself. 
and I just couldn't wait any longer. So it has been poured. So I guess my question for you then is, if you've poured a whiskey, and I guess you can answer this in three different ways. Are you pouring one of your favorite SCN bottlings, A? Did you pour one of your favorite non-SCN bottlings, B? Or did you pour something that doesn't fall into either and you just want to feel a bit happier as we go along in the conversation? (laughs) If it pleases your honor, my answer is A. So it sounds like it's a a single-cast nation. It is. Yeah. Talking about a single cast nation. Talking about, talking about, talking about, talking about nation. Oh, sorry. Talking about, talking about, talking about nation. Yeah. Revolution rhymed better with nation when it was in my head. But anyway, here we are. So, so the game that we play at this time of year, and you're, you're going to guess mine in the next one second. Uh-huh. But... But we, we show... I'm going to take the lead on this one since I've got a pretty decent little pour of it. So, but we show the colour to the other. And just, just to make sure, in case people didn't follow the thread there, what we're talking about right now is our favourite single cask nation release of 2021, yes? Mm-hmm. So, continue. So there is, there is the colour. You can describe that to our listener. <laughs> So I would say it's a sort of a nice, soft, golden color. Uh, maybe the color of clover honey, something like that. Like a nice honeyed color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The comment I made to you that was in the transition is that coming to this release after the Christmas malt... It had a little something else going on than normal. And so I actually had it leading with pear drops this time. And the last time you and I discussed this, I I don't think either of us really went with pear drops on the nose. Hmm. But it was just so bright and that kind of nice, crisp, hard candy sweetness to it. Now the cereal notes are beginning to open up behind. And then the word that... Gives it all away is the earthiness is now coming in behind. Westland seven year old cast number four thirty seven fifty seven point seven percent alcohol seven years in first fill bourbon barrel is not what's in my glass. Whoa, that's not what's in your glass. <laughs> okay. Oh, then it's then it's it's got to be the the Wolf Island. <laughs> The thing at the start of this episode, before we hit record, ah. you said, we need a we need a pre-dram. What, what, what do you think about pouring the Wolf Island? And I said, let's pour something that's not company related, since I knew this was my selection. Interesting. Wow. Okay, so that is your favorite. Yeah. So here's the thing. Go ahead. It wasn't going to be. Okay. And then I kept pouring it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. And, you know, yesterday, I I mentioned at the start of today's episode, yesterday when I I was sitting down to read Zero, what did I pour? 
Wolf Island. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting dramming on Wolf Island while I'm reading Zero, and I'm just thinking, this is so pleasingly unlike anything else we've put out into the world mm-hmm. that I just love revisiting it and I just love pouring it. And I will say, hashtag, please drink the full bottle responsibly. Because <laughs> just like I've been saying for a, a few years now, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Glasgow Blend coming in at 43%, you can absolutely hammer that hashtag, please drink the whole bottle responsibly. This Wolf Island at, at 48, what did we decide upon? 48, 8 you could just, you can drink it in the late morning, he mm. said, trying to pretend like he didn't drink it at breakfast time. You can drink <laughs> it in the mid-afternoon. You can drink it before dinner. You can share it with somebody who comes over to your house. Mm-hmm. I I didn't want to reinvent the wheel by coming up with something that's not the thing that I am drinking the ever-living daylights out of. Interesting. So, okay. Okay. You know what? I, I can respect that. It, it Right? It reminds me a little bit. Uh, and it's so funny that you, you picked this one. Not not just that you picked this one, but how you described it. And what's so funny about it is it reminds me of our response to the very whiskey I thought that it was before we bottled mm. it. When we were at the Westland Distillery tasting cask 437 when it was a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to figure out what casks we should go with. Meanwhile, we just kept on mindlessly going back to that one because it was just so pleasing. And then we realized, oh, wait a second, we keep going back to this one. <laughs> Maybe this is it. And then, you know, th- things happened uh, that 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 made it so we couldn't bottle that year, and then pandemics, and and you know all, all all these sorts of things, and we finally got to bottle it. But the same reasons you talk about why that's your favorite of the year are the same reasons we bottled that that Westland. So that's that's very cool. Yeah, once I took the Vino seal off the wolf island yeah. <laughs> and you're like oh i hear a venus seal <laughs> you know this yeah this is one of the i think this is the only scotch we have with a venus seal uh i think that that's correct i think that that's <laughs> correct okay so now it's my turn and i'm going yes, to show sir. you the color there you go that's a that's also a nice golden promise in your glass. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yep, yep. So nice golden color to it. The nose has a lot of hay to it. Hmm. It's, but it's not soft. Oh, do you need to take care of that? No, it's just going to be annoying for a few moments since he's decided there's something out there to bark at. Okay. My guess is it's a horse and buggy going by on a Sunday. So you've got a bit of that hay, but it, there's there's not a softness to this. There's there's a big citrusy component to it, and and I use this tasting note quite a lot, which which I kind of like. Lemon pinwheels, 
So take lemons, Mm -hmm. cut them into little Mm -hmm. circles. You can put them in simple syrup or you can put them in honey for a few weeks and then fry them and they become lemon pinwheels. So you get a bit of that. Sounds delicious. There's a little, you know, it's, it's interesting. Drinking that Christmas malt, I was getting what I thought was a peppermint note. And I thought that it was exclusive <laughs> to the Christmas malt, and now I'm getting it in this. Mm-hmm. And there, there is, there's an earthiness to this one as well, but it's not, you know, this is a different whiskey than the one you poured. There's an earthiness to this one. It is cask strength. Is it, is it from US online or... And I might be leading the witness here. U.S. retail. It is an online bottling. Okay. So the color of it. Uh, I'll I'll, the, I'll say this. I'll say uh, no. You 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 keep pontificating, and then if I feel as if you need another hint, I'll I'll toss it this year, right? So and the earthy, and the online. And the cask strength. And hey, hey, and the pretty lady. My mind is moving Mm -hmm. towards the 1993 Laughing Frog. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a a great choice. It's not accurate, but it's a great, great (laughs) choice. This is what I will say. (laughs) Yes. This is very likely, in my opinion... The best whiskey ever bottled from this distillery. And I ha- I am head over heels in love with this distillery. I don't think I've had a bad whiskey from them. This one ticks all of the boxes. They could have bottled it, and I would have said the same thing. So it's not because we bottled it. It's just they made the liquid, we bottled it, and it happens to be my favorite thing that they've ever produced. I have no clue what you're drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Their annual output (laughs) is about 450,000 liters, maybe 500,000 liters, somewhere around there. So not a huge operation. So let let me go back to to basics then. Okay. Really, what's happening is I'm I'm trying to rack my brain for what we sold online <laughs> yeah. this year, and it's been a very very long it's year. Been a long year. And it's the the light. Go- and I know as soon as you say it, I'll say, oh, of course it's that. Mm-hmm. But instead, I'm just trying to think through what we've been selling online. So, young or old? <laughs> younger, younger. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. You know, this isn't like a, uh, you know, a two or three year old. You know, it's not. It's not okay. a young youngster, but it's not. Okay. It's not uh, malted malted barley or other. Malted barley. Okay, scotch or other. Other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> okay, online others. Uh, I, I love the thought of our own listeners shouting at their ham radios. Um, You're that they've got a better guess than the guy with the company. Ian Bruce um, right now is screaming at the top of his lungs. Yeah, Dafty. <laughs> um, other released online. Do, do you want? But it is. Do you want a hint? You can give me all the hints. All right, all the hints. Well, there's there's a hint that would totally give it away. Please give it away. It give it was, away, give it away, give it away. Give it away, was distilled away. on your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't remember this, then then we have some serious issues. <laughs> have you really just named the bottling of the year? The one you guessed for my bottling uh-huh. of the year. <laughs> I thought that we had selected the same Westland, the same seven-year-old. Ah, oh, this whiskey is off the charts delicious. It's doing all the things, all the things. Anyone, listen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this to you. I'm gonna say this to our listeners. Mm-hmm. Anyone that has a doubt as to the potential of the category of American single malt mm-hmm. whiskey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they needn't look further than Westland, Westward, Copperworks, Virginia Distillery, or Distilling Company, Balcones. They're all doing wonderful stuff, and that's just a handful of them. But we, we, we make it very clear, and we have done for, for years, Westland has held an incredibly special part of our hearts since what 2011-ish 2012-ish somewhere around there and like Kill Home and I think it's been so great to watch that evolution and to be a part of it in some way shape or form and yeah. and when I pour this whiskey for malt drinkers it turns heads left right and center there's there's you can't ignore that this is a masterfully made whiskey and the fact that we were given access to this cask just blows my mind uh i feel lucky that we had access to it i feel thankful to anyone who's who's purchased it and who has enjoyed it um you know hopefully they see the beauty in it that we did i just think this is remarkable brilliant brilliant yeah no arguments from me and it is. It's funny when you talk about it. it. Was distilled on my birthday, obviously two days before Jessie's, and so she's she's looking for her own June twenty nine Westland single cask, but a bit like our Virginia Distillery Company cask that came out to be six six six. When you find some number associated with some cask <laughs> yeah. that you think, yes, that. You're looking for reasons to not select it. You're looking for all the reasons in the world not to select it. Mm-hmm. And and when I hear June 27 distillate, I'm thinking to myself, if this has any flaws, 
we're going to get crucified for picking it because it was Jason's yeah, birthday yeah, yeah. or or picking the VDC because it was 666, you know, like, oh, what a bunch of little boys. So, so almost putting it through the ringer more. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that that would come out as your your selection, that's that's a thing, man. And the fact that it's, I mean, you know me, I, I am a scotch whiskey guy through and through. And that does supersede, is that the right word? Am I using the English language correctly? That that scotch whiskey, in my mind, goes above malt whiskey. There's something about scotch whiskey where I think, for the most part, for my palate, I think it's just been done consistently really well for X number of years in Scotland, and that is always who you compare everyone else's malt to, whether it's because that's the origin of single malt or for any other reason. And the fact that this seven-year-old, right, against what you had said before, oh, is it our 1993 Laughing Frog? Is mm-hmm. it, you know, mm-hmm. so, some of these other amazing Scotch whiskeys that we've bottled, and it's a seven-year-old American single malt whiskey. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it really is saying something uh, for my palate. I love that selection. That's, that's very cool. I, I have a runner-up. Okay, I, as do I, as do I. Plus at least two honorable mentions. <laughs> Okay, I, I didn't go that far, but if you need me to, I will. <laughs> My, mine's just back to it's, it's the same as the the podcast episodes, where to say this one was head and shoulders above everyone else, but then there was a runner up, and it was head and shoulders above everyone. I just don't see them like that, mm. you know, and I and I have a hard time presenting them. In that way. And so whenever I say, this is the one I'm drinking a ton of, and I, th- I think it fits a number of different scenarios, and I'd, I love sharing it, and it's been very well received. And then I think, but then there's this other one that I reach for, but it's not the only other one that I reach for, or was well received, or so on and so forth. So, yeah, I'm, I don't like leaving anyone out here. <laughs> I'm going to put the Christmas malt back on my shelf and grab my runner-up. Okay. Well, while you're grabbing your runner-up, I'm going to think about ways to edit this. Do, 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 do. Okay. I'm pouring my runner-up. Okay. <laughs> so so show us, show us the color of your runner-up. And by us, I mean me, because... Yeah, right. Listeners, peer closely to the audio okay, of so, this color. So not dissimilar from the first one poured. I would say perhaps a little deeper in color, a little richer in that golden quality. And while the first one I would say was sort of a dull gold, this one's a bit more reflective. Interesting. I think the first one was more reflective. It could be our, our video connection. I, I would say the first one was definitely more reflective. Okay. I would also, if you were to consider the first one white gold, 
This one would be more of a, a darker gold in color. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, give me, give me some, there. give me some notes. There's definitely a a note that that gives away a few things, but of all the things we released in 2021, I don't think it's going to give away too much. Okay. But I'm I'm getting a nice licorice all sort sweetness on the nose. Mm, okay. Okay. So a little. Mm. Uh, a, is there a particular all sort? Is it the brown ones? Is it the black ones? Is it the pink ones with the coconut? It is both the brown ones and the pink ones. <laughs> there is a joke in there somewhere. I haven't had enough drink to tell that joke. But those in the know, know. Uh, okay, so we, we have some brown licorice all sorts along with some pink licorice all sorts. What else do you have going on? So, so for those that don't know all sorts, right? It's there's licorice, but there's mm. also some sugary confectioner sweetness going on along along with it. Sometimes a bit of coconut. Sometimes it's just almost like hard icing on a cake, layered with the licorice. So sweet, a bit earthy, a bit spicy. What else you got? A little malty. Okay. Okay. Definitely a malty sweetness going on in there. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say a little something that might have led the witness, but I'll I'll hold off for the moment. See, I'm kind of I'm kind of scared that we may have poured the same thing again. And then I'm also scared that we may not have poured the same thing. <laughs> I'm going to guarantee you that we haven't. Oh, right. However, however, I think we might be of the same mind. That's a tough guarantee. How can how, how? I stand by it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so let me let me ask some deeper questions here. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Zeno's paradox is coming up. Is it a whiskey? It is a whiskey. Yes. Okay. Was it released in the U.S.? It was. Yes. Okay. Was it retail or online? It was, yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you had me at retail. Okay. So it was a U.S. retail bottling. Is it from a distillery that we've bottled for the first time this year? Yes. Okay. Can I see the color once more? <laughs> <laughs> Not that the camera is doing a good job of showing it. I'm looking at what's in that camera it does not look like that. Is there a peat presence to it? There isn't. Okay. So but it, it does have a certain heft. It has a heft. Okay. Is it a Diageo distillery? It is. It is a Diageo distillery. Has this whiskey been finished in a particular cask? It had. Is it our 13-year-old Inchgower in port? It is not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a whiskey that's been finished. It's malt. It is malt, yes. Okay, so it's a single malt. Malt from a Diageo distillery, yep. And it's been finished. 
Mm-hmm. Was Some it, might say rested, but I think you and I still say finished. I prefer it over aced. I don't like aced. <laughs> I never have. What does that stand for? Additional cask enhancement? That's what I believe it stands for. See, and the reason why I don't like rested is resting suggests that that cask isn't doing anything, that it's sleeping. Meanwhile, the the reason for for finishing or, or maybe a better term, the reason for re-racking is that the previous cask had been doing fuck all and you need another cask to do fuck none? Fuck, what's the opposite of fuck all? Fuck some. Fuck some. It has to do fuck some. And so, and so, the, so it's not resting. It's, it's working. It's working. So, I tell you, you're not wrong, but I do like the romance of imagining a cask's worth of whiskey mm-hmm. being lifted from one and arrested in another. Like, I quite like the romance of that. I 100% mm-hmm. take your point. Mm-hmm. It's working, it ain't resting. Yeah. But I like the romance. It's like taking a baby from one crib and placing it carefully in another. <laughs> Uh, so it's not the inch gower. Can, yeah, can, yeah, yeah, can I make please. a comment please. before a, a, yeah. another guess? Several times when talking about this whiskey, I've I've made reference to the fact that I couldn't stop returning to the sample. It was doing things that if you just saw the distillery name on the front of this sample. Mm-hmm you wouldn't expect it to do the things that it did. Huh. I I really am at a bit of a loss here. Like, you and I have been at this distillery together. Okay. Speyside, Highland? Highland. A Highland distillery owned by Diageo. <laughs> Why am I having such brain farts here? Yep, there's dark chocolate, there's fudge, there's warm nougat. Oh my gosh, can you give me another hint? Like I'm I am I have hit a brick wall because and here's why, because right I, I when we think of our finished casks, there was the inch gower. And then obviously one other that I'm not remembering, and then there was there was the liquid which wasn't a finish. But it was also one you kept returning to, right? Because it was doing things you don't normally see. That's why we bottled that liquid. It was showing you spirit. It wasn't showing off cask. <laughs> Fuck, man. Um, the label note good, good, says good. malty and sherried with particularly enjoyable notes of chocolate fudge, crushed hazelnuts and fruitcake. Note the ground ginger and dark chocolate notes, however, that provide a lovely balance with their spicy, bittersweet elements. <laughs> you put me out of my misery. I have no idea. <laughs> Distilled in 2011. Okay. Wait. Oh. Oh. Oh, wait. No, no. We've, 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 it's a Highland distiller and we've both been there. Okay. Go on. Bottled at 57.8%. Okay. As 
part of our seventh U.S. retail yeah, release. Like I've, I've got all that. Yeah, I'm still at a complete <laughs> loss. Blair Athol. <sighs> that was a finish? Or Blair Athol was a finish? Uh, was it Phil Maturation? Oh, yeah, 10 years maturing in a second Phil PX Sherry Butt. At 55.5%. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 55 point, what did you say? Five. Yeah, 55.3. Oh, three. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> wow. So you've been describing a whiskey. You've, 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 you've like, you've, you've, you've led me astray, Jason. You've led me I astray. I have led you astray. I led you astray. I, I had my notes in front of me and then I put them away and then it all went to hell after that. So, <sighs> well, A, that was an excellent choice. B, how exciting was it to finally bottle a Blair Athol? This this one was on a list. It's one of these distilleries that that people generally don't know about. But when when there's good Blair Athol, you you can't you can't ignore it. You simply can't. It won't allow you to ignore it. Well, I like the fact that, and we are going to come back to the maturation on this since I grossly misled you. But the the second fill PX Sherry Butt hasn't completely masked the Blair Athol spirit. Yes. What I loved about this one, and I thought your point was a great one, the fact that this second fill PX cask didn't overtake the generally softer spirit style of Blair Athol. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think when you and I look at cask lists quite often if we know the fill and it's sherry, quite often second fill is the one that we'd want to go go for because sherry can be funny, it can be sulfury, it could flood the spirit, it could make it so you don't, you know, really detect where that that whiskey actually came from. And second fill is nice because you still get sherry, but it allows the spirit character to shine. So yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a good, good selection. And, and again, back to the fact that, you know, being able to finally bottle uh, a Blair Athol after been offered many Blair Athols before we had our, our direct relationship to Diageo, you know, now we have a much more direct line, which which is great. But everything else that was offered previous to that was, eh, it just it wasn't doing Blair. It wasn't doing Blair Athol the way we like Blair Athol to be done. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that distillery. I don't know how often it gets shown in a in a good light to the point of being surprised by the sample. And one that we felt confident putting in front of of the nation. Mm-hmm. So, so now I'm I'm curious. I know, and that's what I said. I I knew you hadn't picked this Blair Athol as your runner up. So I'm kind of curious what you did pick as your runner up. So I'm going to show you the color. Mm-hmm. A little darker monkey there. Yeah, a little little dark. Given that we know the video is is uh, is not to be trusted, what kind of dark color are you getting there i would i would call this a burgundy 
oh gosh, okay, it's right. yeah, it's not coming across the video like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 burgundy. It's burgundy. Gosh. Yeah, maybe may, maybe a bit of mahogany, but but there's a brightness to it as well. It's it's almost reflective. So okay, right. okay, reflective burgundy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got a hunch. It would surprise me if this was your runner-up, but. Are we are we swimming in the retail pool? We are not swimming in the retail pool. We are not. I, I and trust if, me, I did think about it. But if if we're simply going by taste, or simply mm-hmm. going by attach attachment slash taste, I think there's something to be mm-hmm. said for attachment to a cask, right? Like. Like the first time when we bottled our Bowmore 30-year-old that was 80s Bowmore and FWP, right? There was an attachment to that cask because it was a time and place, right? So I, th- I feel as if that makes uh, or that holds a certain amount of importance to it. So I weighed all of the options, and given all of the options, I still went with a non-retail bottling. Before this recording started, I was certain your runner-up bottle of the year, if it wasn't your actual pick, was going to be the Westport. You, that's and you know what? I zigged <laughs> while you thought I was going to zag. <laughs> so we're back online again. Well, I have shown a deep knowledge and understanding for our online offerings. So I'm notes? going to impress everybody with this one. Um, so Burgundy, mm-hmm. are we are we swimming in the Scotch pool? We are swimming in the Scotch whiskey pool. Yes. Oh, geez. Okay. I I actually thought the answer to that question was going to be no. Okay. <laughs> so so you would think. Okay. So uh, so a Burgundy Scotch pool swim here you might have selected one of my honorable mentions as your runner-up which is going to make me very very happy okay do you you want notes do you want to keep guessing what do you want i give give us a little bit of a nose see if i can see if i can be a little more certain before i offer up a guess here you may not know this note, but our American listeners will definitely know this note. And uh, crackling oat bran cereal. There's a little bit of sweetness for sure. Uh, grain for sure. This is one of the things I loved about this cask. Given the color of it, which is a nice dark burgundy, the malt really comes to the fore. Mm-hmm. Is there a little bit of wood smoke framing the experience? Uh, there most definitely is. A little bit of that. I'm going to go pour my honorable mention here. <laughs> see, <laughs> see if it does similar All right, things. Well, while you're going to get that, I'm going to go on with a few more notes here. There's this... Did you note? Did you see how long it took me to grab that? <laughs> it is not a million miles away from me. It's no, but the other thing that I will say on this one, like if you could somehow infuse a bit of salt water into honey, like <laughs> that could be a thing. Selected. That could be a thing. Yeah. So, really, 
I'm hoping that we'll get to sit and enjoy this together and, and, and take some of the guesswork out of this. Mm. Is this our Stones of Stenness 17-year-old collaboration with Water of Life film? It is not. Awesome. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, trust it's me. It's not. Th- that one is an honorable mention for me. And <laughs> well, I've now got it in my glass. Yeah, so. and no, I'm, I'm glad you're pouring it because because I I feel as if so. Here's what I'll have to say about that. Well, there is a bit of a connection to my whiskey and your whiskey in that our 17-year-old Stones of Stenness from the Sherry cask, I think, is some of the best spirit from that distillery in a good long while. And I would say the same for this. And I drink whiskey from this distillery all the time. Though it's usually never presented in this way. If you want to get this whiskey presented in this way, you'll often have to spend a lot, a lot of money. <laughs> the, the, chasing a hamster just fell out your ear. It's, it's given up. It's, it's tired of trying to run your brain. <laughs> have you poured the Mike Walsh? It's not even a release. <laughs> we released it. It's <laughs> not a release. Listen, it is a release. You talk about me misleading the witness by accidentally calling the Blair Athol finished <laughs> instead of matured. And then you say you took one of our online releases that was never released online and made that an honorary, an honorable mention. <laughs> What should we do here? <laughs> you should leave all of this as it is. <laughs> Even me whispering the Mike Walsh thing, just leave it all as it is. Listen. Hatton. Yes. Hatton. Yes. Defend thyself. It is so easy to defend myself on this one. So, so yes, you are correct. <laughs> While this wasn't a f- so so first off, what is this? You whispered it, right? Yeah, yeah. We we yeah. we have called this the Mike Walsh Memorial Bottling. Who is Mike Walsh? Mike Walsh has been a friend of ours since before you and I started the company. Right when we were mm-hmm. just bloggers, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. we we knew of Mike Walsh. We hung out with Mike Walsh. We drank with Mike Walsh. He was a Massachusetts guy who was really a mentor to a lot of people. You wanted to know about whiskey, you wanted to get into whiskey, you wanted to learn about whiskey. Mike Walsh was one of these fonts of knowledge you go to, and he would welcome you with open arms, and he would teach you in a great way. There may even be some tough love teaching in there as well. Kind of like, and when I say tough love teaching, I mean... He was, he was just, you know, I wouldn't go so far. So I wouldn't go so far as to say he would pour a Westland Inferno for Ollie Chilton like I did, right? That That's different. That's that's just harsh, right? Who does that? But, you know, he's he's someone, you know, as you're learning, he said, no, you've got it wrong. 
it's it's A, B, and C. It's not D, E, and F, right? He was just always very good like that. So anyway, he had passed away of COVID in uh, 2020, and that left a huge hole in a lot of people's lives, most importantly in yep. Sherry Walsh's life. His, his wife is now widow. And in our good friend Jay Cole's life, and our friend Sean Barry, and Eric Morgan, and, and the list just goes on and on and on. And anyway, you and I were able to get a parcel of 22-year-old Laphroaig from a Firstville Sherry cask, and we released 60 bottles of it. And these bottles were only sold to friends of Mike Walsh or family or whomever, and you and I each got a bottle as well. And, mm-hmm. and this is why I bring up the fact that it's not just a whiskey, like the selection process is not just a whiskey that tastes great, but it can be a consequential cask. That cask can have a certain meaning or the release of whiskey can have a certain meaning. Yeah. And I find myself in tears every now and again, just thinking about Mike Walsh's passing and it's not going to happen now. I've already done that on the podcast. But when I think about releases that really meant a lot, even though we were, we only had 60 bottles and couldn't share it with the nation, yep. this cask means a whole lot to me. And the reason why it didn't take the number one place is because it wasn't like an official release release. Um, you know, really is a runner-up because we only had the 60 bottles and it only sold to Mike's friends. We couldn't really even talk about it. And we haven't. You're exactly correct. And so you came into this saying it's an easy defense and you're, you're absolutely spot on. It is an easy defense as a special cask, as a celebration of a life, as a celebration of a whiskey lover, Jay Cole, who you mentioned there, if any of you watched John Campbell's going away, you know, YouTube extravaganza, and they they actually took videos from Lefroig lovers and seamed them all together, or sewed them all together, there's one moment hmm. where Jay Cole, who you'll recognize as having this jet black, Gimli style beard, <laughs> Where he uh-huh. is sitting with the Mike Walsh bottle on a table in front of him. Yeah. Yep. And and Mike Walsh making it into that John Campbell going away extravaganza was so cool. So cool. You know, like that's the exact bottling the, that exactly, you've got in front the, of you. Yeah, it, exactly. And and just to show how important this bottling was, not just to us. But to Lefroig as well, you know, Simon Brooking got a bottle of this to bring to the distillery. So now you and I have two bottles at, at the Lefroig distillery, one of them being the Great Isla Swim bottling, and now one of them being this Mike Walsh Memorial bottling. You know, this whiskey doesn't just hold a place in our hearts and in, in the hearts of Mike's friends, but this goes down with Lefroig history. He's now a part of Lefroig history in a really 
special way. And it's, it's an honor to be, you know, a, a small part of that. And here we are. Yeah. Cheers. Cheer, cheers to that sentiment. Cheers to, to Mike Walsh, the life of Mike and, and Sherry and Jay and all of his friends. You and I, and this, this connects us so perfectly to something I said in the last episode that I wanted to come back to in this year in review. But when you and I put our heads together and we we thought, how can we get our Giving Tuesday, our annual Giving Tuesday Nation mm-hmm. event to reach $100,000, which we would have been the biggest in our, our fourth year of doing it, we put the Mike Walsh bottle as the prize that would release at $100,000. And our nation, in one day, raised $230,000 for a range of charities, a host of charities, which was incredibly special and overwhelming and wonderful and... But there was Mike Walsh, and there was the Mike Walsh, 22-year-old Lefroig in Sherry, as a never-released item, presented as a potential prize for yeah. somebody who helped us get to that $230,000 donation point. So it, it speaks to, to what you're saying there about how special Mike was, and how important his legacy and his memory is, mm-hmm. and then the draw with charity to do something good with an unreleased bottling that would help shine a light on Mike and charity and giving. And it all just came together so brilliantly, so absolutely perfectly. And I, I toast the nation for what they did on Giving Tuesday to help us unleash all the prizes including the Mike Walsh upon the nation I'm not going to add anything to that well said right it gets back cheers, to the nation cheer, so cheers I'll, I'll cheers that with my 17 year old stones of Stenness <laughs> <laughs> so are, which are, was an actual release <laughs> are we meant to be pouring uh, runner runner up whiskeys as well no I just or, or I mean honorable I just, mention whiskeys no, I, I just thought I could join you with your runner-up selection. And uh, unfortunately, I, I misread it all. Um, no, I, actually, we, we are going to transition over to, to some non-SCN mm-hmm. alcohol. Um, I, I am curious, though. I, you know, I've clearly gone down the path of selecting the Wolf Island. Mm-hmm. Having the Blair Athol in retail as my runner-up, and then obviously an honourable mention went to the Stones of Stenness. You went with Westland seven-year-old Peated Cast Four Three Seven, with your runner-up being the Mike Walsh twenty-two-year-old Sherry Lafroig, and then honourable mention something something that you I'm gonna I'm think gonna, about. I'm gonna tip my hat to you on this one. So we we don't talk about this much, but. For release number seven, there's a portion of those casks that quick decision needed to be made 
to, you know, just so that we can keep our bottling date. <laughs> and and I mentioned it earlier on in, in the podcast, you know, we, we now, you know, thank God, have direct relationships with some larger organizations. And so we have access to a series of distilleries we hadn't had access to before. And there was our 12-year-old Linkwood, Sherry Linkwood, that was from release number seven, that you had said... It's it's got to it's got to be in this release. It just has to. <laughs> and you could have said any whiskey, and I would have been a bit hesitant, only because our approach has always been: you and I taste together, we make decisions mm-hmm. together, and we each have vetoing rights. Even though I'm the only one who's ever vetoed anything, but we don't need to bring <clears throat> that up again this year. Jason Johnston yelling. Jason Neil Johnston yelling. There's always a fight at every family party, isn't there? And so you said, this one has got to be bottled. And I said, okay, that's, that's, that's fine. I trust you. And, and, and I stand by that. I always trust you. And, and then I got to taste it. Just a <laughs> sample. And from the sample, and I'll be very honest, from the sample I had said quietly to myself, don't know that he should have selected this. I really don't. I don't. And then, and then I love I that got, we're all sharing our truths today. And then I got a bottle, and it became one of those things, like you had said before, like I had said about the Westland. What do you keep on returning to? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't stop returning to the Linkwood. And then you had said it again about this Blair Athol, that it was, you had said the Blair Athol is being shown in a way that Blair Athol is typically not shown. And I figured out what I loved about the Linkwood in Sherry was that you couldn't detect basically any of the Sherry. What you were detecting mm-hmm. was Linkwood that mm-hmm. was being portrayed in a way that it was never portrayed before, and that was spirit forward. Yep. And man, if that wasn't a treat. Now, I'm saying that coming from the perspective of drinking Flor and Fauna Linkwood, right? That's Diageo's Flor and Fauna releases. And then all the Gordon McPhail releases, the 15, the 25. There was a 30-year-old from years back, I want to say. And they were drop-dead gorgeous whiskeys. But what they did was highlight the cask and ours highlighted this spirit. And yeah. I, th- I think that that was a really daring release and I want to thank you for it. And, and I think it is what it is worthy of that honorable mention because it's, it's doing what we as an independent bottler tried to set out to do show you whiskey in a way that you're not familiar in experiencing and you nailed it. But I also, First of all, thank you. I'm glad you came around to agreeing. But there's a there's a certain theme surrounding our selections today, which is drinkability, where mm-hmm. it's not just a, oh there's a there's a shining example that you should put on your shelf and point all your guests to. It's here's an affordable offering that will really make you happy when you open it, 
and you share it with your friends and your guests and your family and yourself and you pour it next to a roaring fire and you just sit back and sip it. That to me, I don't know if it's a result of the COVID years, you know, spending so much time in my office, in my house by myself. Yeah. But when I now get those rare moments to be with other people, I'm thinking, what are we popping? And how are we enjoying this? Yeah. And how much of this are we going to pour and, and imbibe and, and share? And I, I really look at what's sitting here on my desk in front of me. I'm really eyeballing drinkers. And when you mentioned that link, Wood, one of the things for me with that sample and then subsequent online tastings of it was this is another drinker. This is another one of those pop the, pop the cork on a Friday, recycle mm-hmm. the bottle on a Monday. 100%. Like you can just absolutely pound them. And, and I don't mean that, and you and I have talked about this before, I don't mean that as a get yourself really rip-roaring drunk. It's if you really want to keep enjoying that flavour over and over and over again, this is a bottle that will serve you from the moment you open it to the moment you finish it. That's what I'm going for. We're in no way talking about drunkenness here. No, and and I and I think I think you should rephrase it a little bit. You said you want to enjoy that flavor, and I I would suggest, do you want to enjoy those flavors? Sure, sure. Right, because while the cask was doing very little, it goes to show you how incredibly complex the spirit is. So there was there were hints of new make, but it was in the, you know, is presented as fresh fruit and boiled sweets and and <laughs> things like that. And and again, you know, I, I Linkwood is one of my favorite distilleries and and I've said that for, for years and this was the first time I was actually able to taste whiskey from that distillery that was spirit forward and not cask forward. And mm-hmm. yeah, man, that was just, it was just really special. And, and I don't think you were saying to people, you know, let's, let's just get pissed drunk. I mean, that does <laughs> happen though. We always suggest, you know, hashtag please drink responsibly. But the fact of the matter is you could hang out with friends and you could forget about the cork or misplace it, and it doesn't matter because you're all going to have a great time over this bottle. And then you're going to toss the bottle in the fire afterwards or preferably in the recycling bin. But, you know, here we are. It's just one of those whiskeys that you want to share with people. And in times of COVID, you're sharing comfort. That's what you're sharing. Yeah. Absolutely. Before we transition out of this segment, I just wanted to say my wife delivered some lemon almond shortbread. Oh, yes. While while you and I have been sitting here chitty-chatting. And it goes with the Wolf Island retail release so well. (laughs) So well. (laughs) And as if I needed another reason to keep popping that Vino Seal, pairing it with this shortbread is awesome. Amazing. So, uh, <laughs> uh. what if? So, so firstly, I'm glad we got through our favorite single cast nation bottlings of, of 2021. I'm, I'm racked with guilt for 
all the bottlings I didn't make any mention of. But how great is it that we have so many whiskeys to be proud of? We really do. We really do. 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that there was a a straggler in the group. We we never go out there saying, well, you know, this one may please some. No, no. The idea is this should please all. And then sometimes we bottle ones. We say this is going to please a lot, and the people that don't <laughs> get it, we're fine with them not getting it because we love it. Anyway, I have a suggestion, Jason. Now that we're focusing on our non single cast nation whiskeys. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should have or done bottlings. this. bottlings. Bottlings. Bottlings, yeah. Thank you. Maybe we should have done this with the single cast nation ones, but why don't we flip the script a little bit? Let's pour the runner up first and mm. then the one that has won our hearts. Oh, that's interesting. I, I wasn't intending to do that. Let me I let me know. slide over here and grab my runner-up. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have literally slid over here to pick up my runner-up. <laughs> Watching you slide was perfect. It was like the old dad joke and where you I'm pretend back. you're pressing a button and you're in an elevator <laughs> and you just start to sink down. What do you mean, dad joke? That's just top quality comedy. If I saw a stand-up comedian do that, I'd be like, you are all right. You I can get behind. Okay, so what am I finishing here? I'm finishing my Stones of Stenness. You didn't see my bottle, did you? Mm -mm. Okay, good. Don't take this the wrong way, but I try not to look at you when uh, when we're recording this podcast. Okay, well, I've taken that the wrong way. I didn't even have to try. You told me to to try not to. I didn't even have to try. That was the great thing about it. Do not look at the bottom of my screen. Okay. I, oh gosh, we've got too many things happening now. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. I like your flipping of the script. This is kind of fun. Okay. I will, I will try to guess you. Okay. So... Which, of course, means I will drink my own offering here and I will have to pour another one. Okay. So give me yep. some color. Golden. Yeah. A nice dark gold to that. Yeah. Dark gold. Decent okay. color. Gosh, um, we could be anywhere in the universe here. Um, is it a whiskey? It is a whiskey. Um, I did pick something as an honorable mention that is not a whiskey. But my runner-up and my first bottlings are whiskeys, so I'll just I'll leave I'll leave it there, okay? Okay. Is this from Israel? It is not from Israel. Is your winner from Israel? <laughs> Let's focus on this one right here, Jason. <laughs> We're talking about my runner-up. If you haven't, I let me just say this. I'll be surprised if neither of these are Israel. So let let me let me let me lay down some ground rules here. If you'll recall, <laughs> if you'll recall, part of part oh, of my approach to my favorite non-SCN bottling 
mm-hmm. is that I avoid anything from the Impex ah. portfolio. Because oh, that's because I, unf- so. Let me so let me say this. Yeah. Let me just put this out in the open. Then yeah. I would have bet the house that milk and honey, M and H, pomegranate cask yeah. would be somewhere in this conversation. Okay. Yeah. No. That I've always done that. I've. You are correct. Right? I just, I, I never want people to think that I've selected X because yeah. X is in the Impex portfolio. So. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. I will put M&H pomegranate cask out of my head. Yeah. But you could see where I went with the color on that, right? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Though, though I'd argue the, the pomegranate, I think, is a bit darker. A bit darker. Do you want to see the color on... On my run, uh, that's that's good. That looks like some good sherry presents. I like that. It's also a hell of a pour. Anyway, so yours. I, I'm not. I've even put mine back down again so that I don't mislead myself. So you're discussing whiskey. Are we in Scotland? If we're not in Israel, we are in Scotland. Okay. Are we peated or not? We are peated. Okay. We have a peated. Scotch released this year or came into your life this year? That's a good question because regular listeners will know that I've that I've highlighted <laughs> bottlings that were outside of the year that were meant to be mentioned. But in this particular case, this came out in 2021. I even checked dates on my winner to make sure that it was released in 2021. Um, okay, so you're so you're peated scotch in 2021. Gosh, is Isla Pete or Highland Pete? Isla Pete. Okay, but here's the thing. I, I I know you were hesitant to answer that question. I was. Unless you have said to me either, Jason, you must purchase a bottle of this, or Jason. I have purchased as each a bottle of this. I'm not up on what you've been drinking this year. We, we're not traveling together as much. We're not seeing each other as much. I, you know, I feel I, as I, if I'm I not... may have, I either may have gotten you a bottle of this. I feel as <laughs> if I would have definitely suggested it. Okay. Is it from Ardbeg? It is. And I never, <laughs> listen, you know me. I like my Ardbegs, but I'm not an Ardbeg fanatic like some people are. Um, but this... This is interesting. This Very is really... This has really turned my head. And you purchased this in the United States. You didn't have this sent to you from... The UK. That's an excellent question. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, it says it says seven hundred and fifty ml. So this okay. is an, a US release, and I didn't buy it from South a Africa. US, so. A US art bag that you would have as your runner up for the year. For the year. Holy That's moly. saying something. That, that really is. That you may have told me to get a bottle of. See, the difficulty that I've got with this is when it came to Scorch Committee, mm-hmm. you and I weren't really overly interested in grabbing a bottle of that until we spoke to Bill Lumsden on the podcast. Mm-hmm. 
And he said, well, you could think of this as son of alligator. And we were like, oh, you've got my interest. Mm-hmm. So, and so Scorch, I was the one who acquired our bottles of Scorch. Okay. So I don't think it's Scorch. Okay. Am I correct that it's not Scorch? You're not correct. It is totally Scorch. <laughs> so you got us the bottles. I couldn't remember I got how us I got the it. Bottles. Listen, Jason, this one. <laughs> I liked our big alligator. I thought it was a good whiskey. But it didn't come through on the promises. It felt like a presidential candidate who runs on promises but then fails to deliver once elected. Alligator said, alligator char is going to do all these great things. Watch out for the oak, blah, 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 blah. Then you get it. And it's this wonderfully soft, light, citrusy, lemony. 100%. Yep. 100%. Very approachable, very fun, very nice. But not living up to the bill not Bill Lumsden, but not living up to the bill that, <laughs> that, that the marketing team had said, you, this is what you're going to get. Then, yeah. Yeah. fast yeah. forward 11 years later, and they release Scorch. And now all of that oak is really coming out. Like, if Alligator was what, if Alligator 11 years ago was what Scorch is today, it would have been my number one whiskey of the year. Like, this is mm. remarkably good whiskey, I think. Oh, that's great to hear. Really great. My, I was moving us towards Ardbeg 8. Mm. Um, the, the, the committee up for discussion bottle. Yep. But that was one that I brought to you and said, I actually got a couple of these bottles what did you think? And you said, oh, that, that's a softer Ardbeg. I don't think that's going to be up your alley. But you had enjoyed Ardbeg 8. I did. Yes, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And then when I got my hands on it, I did too. Surprise. And I agree with you 100%. It is a much softer Ardbeg. But yeah, I, I think it's I think it's doing something quite pleasant. But Scorch, here's a question I was going to ask you uh, during the week. And I never got around to it. And I'm quite happy to ask it in front of our listeners. Do you know if the the Ardbeg that was the different fermentation, the ferment the what was it, the two to three week fermentation, has that been released in the United States yet? No, I don't think that it has been. Okay, because there was talk of that being a fall bottling. Well, yes. However, uh-huh. I think. Much like ourselves and much like (laughs) basically, yeah, it's who, who can get glass right now? Hopefully Ardbeg. Gosh, how much are they making at one time? Okay. Because I'm, I'm, I'm really desperate to get my hands on a bottle of that extended fermentation. If, if I miss out on that, I'm going to be really bummed. Mm -hmm. I really want to taste that. So, okay. So that's your runner up. You want to take a little guess at my runner up? Well, give me the color. Show me uh, show me what it looks like again. Okay, so that is a darker go. color. It is. It is. Okay. You can you can ask me 20 questions. Is it single malt scotch whiskey? Yes, sir. It is. Is it peated? Yes, sir. Okay. Is it sherried? 
No, sir. It's not Sherry. <laughs> Given that color. <laughs> that I'm holding up to light right now as I laugh. Yes, it is not Sherried. Is it Isla Pete? No, sir. So it's Highland Pete. Yes, sir. God, I love this episode so much. Wow. It makes me so happy. <laughs> so, I love this. Okay, so it's a Highland Pete single malt scotch whiskey. And it wasn't bottled by us. <laughs> right? Given how you and I have played fast and loose with the rules today, wouldn't it be amazing if I put an SCN selection to the non-SCN selection round? Well, I'm thinking about our, our Ardmore from a Dechar Rechar cask. Oh, I like the way you're thinking, though. I like the way you're thinking. It's not Dechar Rechar, but... It is Ardmore. It is Ardmore. Oh, yeah, it's also not Ardmore, no. Okay. So it's peated... And it's Highland, and it's not sherry, but it's dark. Is it is it new charred oak, or is it dechar rechar? It's listed as a virgin oak finish. A virgin oak finish. Is it independently bottled? It is. Is it an infrequent flyers bottling? It is. Okay, okay. Oh, see, this is interesting because I don't have any <laughs> infrequent flyers. I'm trying it. So it's, is it a Benriach? Ask yourself, why would Jason Oh, Benriach Speyside, sorry, go on. A Highland peated single malt from Ali Walker at infrequent flyers. What would lead Jason to acquire something in the UK and then find a way to get it into the United States. Well, you... Highland you, Pete. You look for birthdays. Does that have anything to do with the date? Nope. You're going to kick yourself so hard. So hard. There's a tie to the distillery. You have an affinity for the distillery. Oh, 100%. Has Billy Walker owned the distillery? He has not. He's been part of the organization that has owned it, but he was merely a whiskey worker in those days. <sighs> You're going to kick yourself so hard. Would you consider an island to be part of the Highlands? 100%. Is this a Lichig? 110%. <laughs> Okay, so it's a Lechig with a virgin oak finish by Infrequent Flyers. Yep, yep. Distilled March of 2010 and bottled June of 2021 mm. with this virgin oak finish bottled at 58.5% alcohol. And you can see... Color's fantastic on it. Bottle My UK, UK tax stamp yep. right there. Oh, they didn't even put the sticker over it. Well, I had it shipped to a mutual friend mm -hmm. so, who okay. resides in the United Kingdom. So tell me why you selected this 10-year-old Lechig with a virgin cast finish. So as you know, 
I've got a small collection of independently bottled lechigs. I do. The vast predominance of them are in bourbon. Some are in sherry, including one of our own on my shelves here. Mm-hmm. 13-year-old. I have none that are virgin oak finish. Well, that's and what Infrequent Flyers does, right? With the with the various finishes. Exactly. And so I was I was intrigued by those components of it. You mentioned it in your earlier guessing about Dechar Rechar, mm. which is something that, that's very near mm-hmm. and dear to our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so the virgin oak finish. I was kind of curious what that would do. And again, like we've we've had in our own discussions in this episode, I was curious if the lechig would get lost. I wondered if the wood would become too much. Now, obviously, Ali clearly liked it and Ali clearly put it into the bottle. So I I didn't think things would be wildly off balance. But, you know, sometimes if you've got an interesting finish, you find a reason to put it in a bottle and you leave the consumer to make up their mind on where they stand on it. And I thought the balance in this was really nice between the lechig spirit and the virgin oak. The so, color's beautiful. Yeah. And then just one more thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I alluded to this moments ago as well. I shared this with friends the other night. Uh, and one of my friends after tasting it said, this is a really fun lechig. Mm. There's there's a word that's going to get my attention every fun. time. Fun. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. what you and I... You know, it's not what we're all about, but it's a clear part of what we're about. And so the fact that it was fun, really, that that word resonated as I thought about things to to bring into this episode. And um, yeah, my my hat is off to Ali. That's a crack in Lechig that he's put in bottle. So what is virgin oak doing on Lechig that bourbon or sherry or marsala or, you know, some of these other casks don't? to lechig. It's obviously bringing the colour to the spirit. How many lechigs have you and I seen that are clear as water? Oh yeah, and those are the ones we are typically drawn to, so yeah. Right, so it brings that to it. I would say on the palate, it brings a piquancy that I am really, really digging. And it's it's a liveliness. You and I have talked about a word that you like is effervescence. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's not quite effervescent in the way you use it, but there's a sprightliness, a springiness that comes to the palate with a nice draw of this liquid, and it really livens it, really wakes it up. The thing I was curious about was would it become spicy? Would it become astringent? Exactly. Would it become puckering? And it doesn't. It's none of those things. It's really juicy with Mm. this piquancy right across the palate. Uh, Right, we're we're, we're back to that idea. And, and, you know, way back in the beginning of this episode when we talked about the interview with Georgie, you go in with one set of expectations and you get presented with something else. And when I read this on a website, I had one set of preconceived ideas and then once it landed and I opened it and I started drinking it, it was a whole other experience. And I, I love it when that happens. 
does does it specify what kind of oak or does it just say virgin oak? Yeah. Just virgin okay. oak. All right. Cool. Oh man. So Yeah, real cr- and, and and I would also emphasize that fifty eight point five doesn't drink with anywhere near that much alcohol. Okay. Yeah, I guess uh I guess I need to look out for that bottling. And I, I do apologize because when I when I purchased it, I did not rope you into it, partly because I knew you would say yes. Um, yeah. And I didn't need to be spending more of your money. But I also bought the the allowable two so that I could open one immediately yeah. and then keep one back for replenishing the shelves. So so I do apologize that I, I was a little bit selfish when it came to the Lechig, mm-hmm. but... You know it's not a thing I normally tend towards. Yeah, normally you do think about me, but this time you decided to forget I me altogether. I did so, not. I know. Yeah. And I, God, this episode, I feel like I'm in confession today. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I, I feel really bad that I didn't loop you into this and then I made it a runner-up. I'm a terrible, terrible friend. I'm so sorry, Joshua. Thank you for putting up with me. So the the place for number one whiskey... And and I and I've I've poured I've poured my number one whiskey, by the way. Um I actually have I have two number ones. And I have a bottle of number one at the ready, and that's what I'm drinking. And the other one I, I I've had multiple times with a bottle on on the way to me. Um I don't think I would be doing this justice. Like there, there's a, there is a specific reason why there are two, and it's 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 remarkable, absolutely remarkable. We have both taken this episode absolutely off the rails. We're gonna have to re. <laughs> it was funny just watching you, like contain your laughter. You're like, what the fuck is what the. F- Bucketed ness uh, as I'm talking. Uh, that was that oh was very fun. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is this is hardcore, my friend. Okay, so 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 which am I guessing? Uh, you're only going to put one in glass, but then so you're going to announce your other I'll, co-winner. I'll like, announce the co-winner. That I... <laughs> the fact your co-winner didn't become a runner-up, but you had a runner-up and co-winners. Oh. So so Marvel at its color. That is lovely. Yeah. Yeah, another another dark one. Yeah. It's almost uh like a bright amber. Again, we're we're basing this on the video, but bright amber, burnished copper. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look quite mm-hmm. as dark as burnished copper. Yep. Cask Scotch. It is it is not Scotch whiskey. You would think is it, it single would be. malt? It is single malt. Okay, world single malt that gives this nice bright amber color to it. Could be a host of things, couldn't it? Could, Could be. Could be. Is it is it from India? <sighs> it is not from India. Is it from Australia? It is not from Australia. Is it from America? It is not from America. Is it from Sweden? It is not from Sweden. <laughs> if you've picked an Irish, this is the end of the episode. It's fucking not Irish. <laughs> hey, 
I like my Irish whiskey. There's some really listen. Those in the there know, are, there are, no red sure. breast for sure. And there and there's sure. plenty of great Irish, but this is not Irish. Oh, oh, okay. Oh gosh, there, there's so many countries. Just tell us the country. Just tell us the country. Can't. Yes, you can. I mean, I can, but if I do, then I feel as if it gives it away a little bit. You've got so many selections to get through. Tell us the country. I will say that it is from a country <laughs> that is considered the least traditional country to produce single malt in. <laughs> is it from Zimbabwe? <laughs> it's the second least country. <laughs> is it from Tanzania? <laughs> it's the third least likely country. <laughs> so this is what I'm going to tell you, Jason. Should I put you out of your misery? 100%. Yeah, 100%. I'm breaking rules. This? this, this. <laughs> you can just call that today's episode. Year in review. There are no rules. I was so wowed by this whiskey as a drinker, just as someone who is someone who recognizes a whiskey that reminds them why they drink whiskey, mm -hmm. that it's allowing me to break my rule of not including whiskeys from the Impex portfolio into, <laughs> into this. This is the pomegranate cask. From milk and honey. It's remarkable. It's it's like remarkable with an F. Remarkable. Remarkable. If this wasn't the M and H pomegranate cask, I would be so fucking annoyed with you right now. <laughs> but the fact is, the pomegranate cask, I forgive everything right, <laughs> because was, I called it. You did. You did. You did call it. But listen. There's something Look at that... me not guessing Israel <laughs> as we went around the world because of your self-imposed rules that you gave up on. <laughs> You're welcome. Listen, 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 listen. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was something that Chris Udy says a lot. And he said, when I interviewed him and Sam on Isla from the Macri Hotel... Yep, he was talking about Japanese whiskeys, and he was talking at that time specifically about Japanese koji whiskeys, and and it's called koji whiskey because in the fermentation they introduce koji, which is this mold that that helps the fermentation process along. Anyway, his point about Japanese koji whiskey was, isn't it great? that you have these producers that are expanding the flavor pie. Mm -hmm. Like one of the one of the most beautiful things about bourbon is that any bourbon that's worth its weight in liquid delivers very specific notes that you would expect from a bourbon, that vanilla, that caramel, sometimes the cotton candy, sometimes the nuttiness, right? And sometimes the it highlights the nuttiness in a gorgeous way or the cotton candy in a gorgeous way. And you say, that's great, but you can only find X number of flavors because of that cask, that new chart oak cask. And then you mm -hmm. say, well, let's look at Scotch whiskey. Now you're dealing with a different grain, peated, unpeated, different kinds of peat, 
different kinds of casks, different cask usages, first fill, second fill, third fill, and so on. And right, and so you're expanding the, that, that flavor pie, if you will. And then M&H <laughs> puts their spirit into casks that previously held pomegranate wine, a type of wine yep. that none of us outside of Israel have heard of, and it's delivering flavors that none of us have experienced before. But I, but I also think in addition to us not particularly being fond of scotch in, say, red wine casks, mm-hmm. it, it's just not a marriage that has really worked for me. But then to take milk and honey, to then take their single malt, to then put that with pomegranate wine casks, and it's magical. Absolutely magical. Yeah. Yeah. And is it young whiskey? Yes, it's young whiskey. It's three years old. Does it taste like young whiskey? I don't know. It tastes like a perfectly balanced whiskey that spent X number of years in a pomegranate cask. It's perfectly balanced. It's delivering the spirit character that clearly says M&H to you. But then it's giving you all of these, all this fruitiness and this lovely, just sort of soft drying quality on the finish from the pomegranate wine. It it just like there's no sherry cask that's going to do this for you. There's no port cask, no cabernet cask, no grenache cask that's going to do this. It's specifically the pinot. Sorry, <laughs> it's specifically the pomegranate cask. That's doing this, and and it it just hasn't been shown before, and and I like that. I like that M and H so freshly on the scene as a world whiskey producer says, you know what? Check this out. Like they're still cutting their teeth, but they're cutting their teeth on experimentation and. Back to what you said about the infrequent flyers bottling on fun. This is Mm -hmm. fun. They even said it. We don't really like this pomegranate wine. It's not really our bag. (laughs) However, what the casks are doing to the spirit that we put in it afterwards is remarkable. And they're not wrong. I think that this is is a, a really important release. I said this to our friend... John Kay the other day, John Kaz, Polish John, who went to Maltstock with us. And I'd sent him a picture of Ardbeg Roller Coaster. And he said, oh, man, I I haven't had that before. He's since had it. I I shared some with him. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I said, this is an important whiskey. This, This whiskey is a, back to the word masterclass, this whiskey is a masterclass in blending. I think this whiskey is also an important whiskey. It's not a masterclass in blending, but it highlights just what can be done when you want to set aside business sense and put fun first. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, spot on. Spot on. Did I? Did you look at the bottom of my screen there? I did, but I don't know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so, so, so 
pause your pause your waxing lyrical. I agree with every word you said about the M and H pomegranate cask. It's remarkable. It's absolutely exceptional. It's and exceptional. Such a wonderful, wonderful product. But whereas you have a rule where you <laughs> until today do not go near the Impex portfolio. I don't have the same rule. And as you just saw a second ago, I have my my whis- my non-SCN whiskey of the year is from an Impex portfolio distillery. I don't want to give too much away. I will show you this lovely bright so good what I would assume is here. a bourbon cast. So so here's what I'll say <laughs> to you and to the listeners. Can I mention the distillery? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I saw that it was a Kilhoman. I saw that mm-hmm. it was a red label. So therefore, mm-hmm. that means it's a single cask. Mm-hmm. Was it a single cask for the U.S.? No. Ah, nope. okay. 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 Nope. Um, nope. 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 Interesting. I don't want to give too much of the game away, but after embarrassing myself and falling on my own sword that I didn't share the infrequent flyers Lechig release with you. As you should. This is a Kilhoman bottling that I shared with you when I placed my order. Uh, to make sure you were included and Elijah was included and my Whiskey Society was included. And we have talked about it on the podcast in 2021 and are talking about it on the podcast led to it being sold out when I went to purchase a bottle three days later. So this is the Kilhoman 13-year-old that where notes were given by Billy Abbott, where 100%. I said this one is as fruity as, if not fruitier than, a Beaumore. Yes. Mm. That's pure, pure fucking magic right there. What And what's amazing to me is it, it is 13 years old. It's only 53.9% alcohol from a bourbon cask, but there were only 204 bottles of it. That's... Oh, what's the year, though? The distillation year. July 2007. So here's why. Here's why. When you say only, I say that's a mm-hmm. lot. Because, <laughs> because, 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 yeah. in 2008, Kilhoman solidified their deal with Buffalo Trace Distillery to get exclusively bourbon barrels. Given mm. that there's over 200 bottles for a 13-year-old at a slightly lower ABV of, what was it again, mm-hmm. 53 or 55? 53.9. 53.9. That tells me that was likely a coopered bourbon hogshead that they had gotten. You're, you're still over 200, which is good, but your ABV is kind of low for cast strength at 13 years. So I, I, my guess is that was a coopered bourbon hoggy rather than oh, a barrel. Does the bottle say if it's a bourbon it or hoggy? No, 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 it doesn't. Bourbon matured, single cask. Bottled exclusively for the whiskey exchange. Uh, the back is just the the notes. No, there are no sizes giving, but 
but I, I, I appreciate your, your coopered bourbon yeah. hoggy hypothesis. What, uh, what's the cask number on that? 197 slash 2007. Okay. I, I, I know I have at least one bottle. I may have two bottles. This is just me talking directly to our friend Travis Williams right now. If you don't have a <laughs> bottle of this, Travis, your collection yeah. is incomplete. So yeah. find one. There we go. That yeah. is. So and, wait, and, is that your runner-up or is that your number one? No, this this was my winner because the the infrequent flyer Lechig was my runner up. Oh, look at this that. Kohlman. Yes. It's easy, right? This this is the best non SCN I've had, and just like the Wolf Island that was my SCN winner, I was drinking this yesterday while I was reading Zero. Like this is an afternoon Kohlman, yeah, and it's an evening Kohlman, yeah. and again, the same friends that I poured my my Lechig with. I poured this Kilhoman with mm-hmm. because this is such good whiskey. You want to share it with friends whenever you have that opportunity. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That that's a really good selection. And to be honest, I hadn't thought about it because I typically try to not think of Impex portfolio <laughs> distilleries, but. This pomegranate cast. So let me tell you really quickly. I, I Your said, joint number one? Yeah, my joint number one. Mm. Are you ready for this, Jason? Sorry, I'm still sitting here drinking. This Kilhoman has something in it that reminds me of my cousins coming over from Dallas in the 1980s Ooh. to Scotland. And it's a juiciness, a freshness that I can't quite place. But I remember being in the 80s with my, my, my cousins from Dallas, Texas in Ayrshire. I'm sorry, that, that, that's where I was when you said, are you ready? And so, Is it a smell? Now, Is it a flavor? Like what's, No, it was on the flavor. Yeah, absolutely on the flavor. On the flavor. But yeah, you now a, have my undivided attention. It Just really quickly while you're saying that, uh, <laughs> I, I often think about visiting a relative who used to live in Orange County back back in the 80s. And I often think of him anytime I'm drinking a whiskey that has notes of lavender in there because mm. all around the house were lavender trees. Mm. And whether it's on the nose or on the palate, it, right? There's something so special about, about whiskey in that it doesn't just deliver flavor, but it can transport you back in time, and so that's why I asked. That's exactly it. Yep, that's you know. exactly it. So I will, I will sit with that later, and I will, I will reinvestigate. But, but yes, you have my undivided attention. This is a bold statement, Jason. And again, I am going to take my employment at Impex out of the picture, <laughs> and let you know that the M and H Dead Sea. Apex? <laughs> that was going to be my other prediction. <laughs> Holy crap. That whiskey is doing some of the most amazing things. And this is like you and I, Jason. <laughs> you and I have privately had this conversation around terroir. And you and I, I think, typically generally agree that terroir 
doesn't really exist when it comes to whiskey, with the exception of it maybe... Depends how you define it, yeah. Depending on how you define it. In the definition yep. of Isla whiskeys, where you're burning Isla peat, that's terroir. You're actually infusing the physical terroir into the barley when you're burning the peat yeah. and drying the barley. And you can sense the difference between Isla peated barley and Highland peated barley, right? The, the, the terroir is just evident and inescapable. And M&H are highlighting terroir from a maturation standpoint where they're saying, mm-hmm. you know what, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll take these casks, we'll put them in the Dead Sea for a year and a half where the angel share is 25%. To be clear, not in the Dead Sea. Yeah, near the Dead Sea. and uh, <laughs> Very near. Right, and, and then we'll bring it back to Tel Aviv for another year and a half and see what it does. And what did it do to that whiskey? Is it salty? No. Like, I know a lot of people think, well, you know, it's the Dead Sea. That entire sea is salt, and the air is filled with salt, and casks breathe. Is it salty? No. But quite similar to the Schmaltz beer that we did, where it was an IPA matured in a rye cask with mustard seed. The mustard seed didn't add flavor, it added texture. And Mm. that year and a half in the Dead Sea gave that whiskey a texture that is remarkable. It reminded me of our two-year-old Catuctin Creek, where it was just like Mm. a little puppy just licking your face, just like so rich and heavy and just whatever. And and the flavors were just off the charts, you know. It's just a great-tasting whiskey with the best texture ever, so... M&H one of us, has won my heart. Won one my of heart. us in this conversation still hasn't tasted the Dead Sea. Won my heart, Jason. Apex release. It's won my heart, Jason. If the other person in this conversation could take care of that, it would be much appreciated. A brother hooks a brother up. Hey, listen, <laughs> you'll, you'll note that even I didn't have an, a bottle of it. It's true. It's true. So, Although you... You you saw my Blair Athol. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> my brother didn't have a bottle of that either. So I've seen your Athol um, way too many times. <laughs> you leave Blair out of this. <laughs> so listen, listen. We we have to bring this to a close. No, we don't. This I still have such... to talk about my 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 non whiskey <laughs> honorable mention. I've told you about my non whiskey honorable mention, and then we have something that I know you and want that's... to talk about. That's the thing I'm trying to get us to. Listen, let's very quickly cover a non-whiskey selection because you sent me something yes. that I opened just the other night. It was Shabbat. It's, I'm going to pour know. the same thing because we, we're of a mind, Jason. Go we're of a mind. We're of, well, okay, my open's downstairs. My closed is up here. No, no, no. no. Um, I can edit. Go get your bottle. I had a hard stop of 5.30, but okay, hold on. <laughs> Jason, Jason that, that, that is amateur hour. Fucking amateur hour. Let me, let me just put this on mute because I'm going to have to grovel to my wife. So I'm, you're not going to be privy to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dear, I know I've done it wrong. I know, but I don't want Joshua to be mad at me. 
He's such a nice guy. I don't want him to be upset. Oh, shit, he's back. I didn't even see that. I I looked down and then I looked up. It was a drive-by groveling. So So, you and I agree on our non-whiskey selection here. I'm actually going to get a clean glass for this. So I've washed out my glass. So I like that you and I agree on this. What's interesting about us agreeing on this honorable mention non-whiskey bottling is that I've gone through a bottle and a half of this, and you've only just bottled it, but I told you that this is, like, drop-dead gorgeous, remarkable stuff. Yeah, now you've introduced this to me, there will be an open bottle of this close to me continually. At all times. So do you want to you talk about it? No, you go for it. Since you introduced me to it, you, you take this stage here. Regular listeners will know I actually made a similar suggestion, if not last year, the year before, where we highlighted, or I highlighted, a non-whiskey honorable mention drink. And in that time before, it was a sherry. And this time around, it is yet another sherry. And so this one is bottled by Equipo Navasos, and it is called La Bota de Palo Cataro and 102. And then next to the 102, or just to the right of it, it says Floor Power MMX. So I'm going to be honest with you and honest mm-hmm. with our listeners. I don't know what any of this means. However, mm. I do know some things, right? Is there is there a chance the MMX is 2010 for the grape? Yeah, that could very well be. That could very well be. I, I, I like that um, uh, Greek numerology going on there. Now, But the interesting thing Roman. here is their highlight of, instead of calling it flower power, they call it floor power, F-L-O-R. And so for those that are not very familiar with the word floor when it comes to sherry, right? Most people, when they think of sherry, they think of Har- Harvey's Bristol Cream, right? Cream <laughs> sherry, which is a mix of Oloroso. Not regular listeners to this podcast. Wow. Hey, you know what? I, I, I wouldn't be too put off if they did because I actually kind of like Harvey's Bristol Cream. It's a fine little easy <laughs> sipping sherry for anyone, including her grandma, but that's what makes it a, a, a problematic sherry because even grandma would like it. But when it comes to sherry, you run the gamut from dry to sweet, from Fino to Pedro Jimenez. And in between, you have Manzanilla, you have Amontillado, you have Palo Cortado, you have Oloroso, right? You have Muscatel, you've got uh, Pedro Jimenez, and then there's some other stuff yeah, like uh, Amoroso, you know, little bits and bobs in between. But when it comes to sherry, when the word floor is talked about, it's talked about in regards to Fino sherry and Manzanilla, where the wine itself is being being protected from both oxidation and from the wood by a layer of yeast that is sitting on top of the wine inside the cask 
is protecting mm-hmm. the wine. And the way you turn a fino or a manzanilla into an amontillado or further on is you add in some neutral spirit. You basically you increase the ABV of the wine inside that kills the yeast floor. And then all of a sudden oxidation kicks in and then the oak influence kicks in. And so Palo Cortado is supposedly known as a variation of Amontillado. So a bit funkier, a bit heavier, a bit just different overall. And I do love Amontillado as well. I love Amontillado. Um, But what's so interesting about this one is they're calling this Palo Cortado floor power. And it's bottled at 18% alcohol, so usually the floor is killed at 15%. So I don't know why they're calling this floor power. I don't know the reference to that. In the end, we do know that it's a Palo Cortado sherry. It's 18% alcohol. We don't know how old it is, but what we do know is when I first noticed this, I got some of that those floor notes, those yeasty kind of notes coming through, mm-hmm. which which usually comes through as this kind of like like floral note, like wildflowers and, and things like that. Beneath it are heavier scents like like caramel, some fresh mustard. It's funny we mentioned mustard before with the beer, like I would almost say mustard greens on this. It's just oh, hold on. There's almost like a. Do you know that that German sprouted bread, the thin brown bread? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. bread slightly toasted, on the nose. Yeah, that. The question that I've got is, if we turn the listeners on to this Palo Cordado, will there be less for us to enjoy? Listen, I. In a way, I I care. Because it makes me a bit nervous that people are going to get into sherry because once they discover how beautiful it is, it's really hard to turn back. I don't think... So here's one thing I'll say. I don't think wine drinkers are nece- necessarily find an affinity for sherry wine, which is surprising, mm. right? Because they are wine drinkers. Yeah. But because oak plays such an important part in a lot of sherry, I think whiskey drinkers would find more of an affinity with this. I wish wine drinkers would find more of an affinity for good sherry too. So while yes, I would be upset that there would be less sherry for us as sherry enthusiasts, I would be happier that there are more old school classic sherry casks available to whiskey producers <laughs> to mature their whiskey in. Yeah. If only Palo Cardado did better with Scotch maturation. Mm. Remembering a very famous Brooklady friend of ours. Oh, can you talk about the palate here? I've described the nose a little bit. I'd love to hear your notes on the palate. Real buttery is the first one for me. Yep. Yep. But it, but and not just in a texture, but also in this wonderful creaminess mm. that also brings this sourness to it, which, you know, a, a soft, pleasant, pleasing sourness. Yeah, right. I, I, I would say it's not too far off from, 
from a nice sour beer that's giving you a sourness, but it's also delivering fruity flavors and a bit of mm-hmm. malt potentially as well. Yeah, the fruit comes back. The su- sweet fruit syrup without being overly sugared or overly sickly sweet on the palate. Yeah, almost like a tinned fruit fruit mm-hmm. syrupy quality to it. Yeah, I like that. And then so wonderfully drying around the gums and the teeth, mm. my lips, the inside of my cheeks. And you just take another, another swig of it, another drink of it. Yeah, it's really... It's really gorgeous. You know, it's it's funny. So many people talk about wine and do so in a really passionate way because it moves them. I've found when it comes to white wine and when it comes to red wines, I'm typically impassionate. I, I'll drink it. It's good. It makes the time pass. But when it comes to sherry... Seemingly, at least to my palate, so much more going on. It's ticking more of the boxes that any other wine would do. And some of that yeah. is, is obvious with the oak, but some of it is not so obvious with, with the yeast and with the oxidation and with that sourness that you don't normally find, but it's so pleasant in the sherry. But- I like your talk about the oxidation, right? Yeah. It's talking about the process and how that results in flavor and texture. I just finished mine. That is, mm. so I brought a. I brought a. I'm. I'm not finishing that. I'm going to finish that after this. But I brought a second glass because I know Jason, you and I have a very specific whiskey that we want to toast. To ourselves, to 2021, and everything that we've accomplished in 2021, and to our listeners, of course, because, you know, we say this all the time, when when it comes to Single Cast Nation, we wouldn't have a business if it weren't for the nation members and our consumers around the world. Uh, But similarly, we wouldn't have, you know, this this podcast if it weren't for our list. I mean, we would, but it's more fun with listeners than without listeners. And so, so we're raising this glass <laughs> to, to, to everyone who, who makes our lives, our whiskey lives possible. 100%. Uh, you know, for me, it, it connects back to this being a, a special episode in the year. This is the chance for us to reflect on what we've bottled, what we've sold out of, what we've enjoyed, what we've shared, but also to remember the listenership and to celebrate the listenership, the members of the nation, those who support us in all of our endeavors. And I said this to you before we hit record this afternoon, We've been sitting, not literally, because I know that's your joke. We've been sitting, not literally, on this sample. It is only a sample. I'm not going to pretend that I have a full bottle of this. But we have been sitting on this sample since the first Mm. week of August Mm -hmm. when we were unable to be part of a drama's tasting, but we had 
bought the kits and it was a Glen Grant tasting, a distillery that is near and dear to our hearts. Oh, yes. The people associated with Glen Grant, especially Dennis Malcolm, are, are people that we thoroughly enjoy and celebrate in the, the theme of the moment. We have a very <laughs> dark, sanguine, copper, yeah, can we dis- ruby red sample in our glasses. There is, you know, you and I, even the 22-year-old Lafroig that I showed you was nowhere near the color yeah. of this whiskey. Like and it I'm still is watching dark. the legs on this as it comes down the glass here. But we have in front of us a 1960... Glen Grant <laughs> that was bottled by Gordon and McPhail huh? at 49 years of age at a mere 40% ABV. And the legs on the side of this glass do not suggest high dilution, a lot of water in here. It, this, yeah. I imagine, was 40.1, 40.2 when it made it, you know, as a selection for bottling. Yeah, and the, the other thing that I was going to say as well is, you know, one one of the telltale signs of whiskeys with caramel coloring is you could take the whiskey and bottle and you shake it. And when you look at the mm-hmm. bubbles, if the bubbles are kind of the color of your whiskey, then you know there's actual caramel coloring involved here. And the caramels were, were white as, I'm sorry, the bubbles were white as could be. So there's no caramel coloring going on with this one, which which mm. was nice. And so 49 years, bottled, when was it? 2009. So distilled to 1960, bottled in 2009. I'm so sorry. I know we were still nosing this and I accidentally put some over I, my throat. I saw that. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are, you, are you really sorry? I'm not sorry. Not sorry. Not sorry. Oh, so so, here, so pause. Pause for a second. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, that nose has a florality to it, and I don't know if this is just coming from the Palo Cordado mm. into this Glen Grant expression, but there's something fresh and floral and almost tree blossom in the spring yeah. happening on the nose. Yeah, it's it's like fresh sassafras leaves and hmm. it's it's those it's those unusual scents that you can't really put a word onto it, but but I like what you said about spring. Right? Spring mm-hmm. has a certain smell to it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the leaves coming out of the buds, the flowers starting to bloom the 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 ground starting to you know soften again after months of a hard freeze. Yeah. Dare we say a certain fecundity? Oh my gosh! What the fecundity is going on with this whiskey? I'm lost in its fecundity. So let me ask you that's, this: That's really appealing. Yes. So as you knows this. Would you at a at, at at 49 years would you say that's a good Glen Grant or would you say 
That's a good 49-year-old whiskey. In other words, I is Glen Grant hidden? No, I, I would not peg it for a 49-year-old whiskey. I, I think if you're getting notes of spring, you're not getting something that's showing its age. And I, I think about when we sampled the 1958 or the 1953 oh Glenfarclas that was 58, that was that was velvet on the nose. And this is this is much more spring-like. I, I really mean it when I talk about the blossoms there. On the palate, I think the sherry influence is heavier. Yeah. And that brings a certain velvet quality to it. Yeah. But I don't think it's overly sherried. The dark colour had us both a little worried that it might be overly sherried. Mm-hmm. I think the ABV is in its favour here, where it has softened into that 40%. Yeah, I think the, the nose-to-palate transition is a really nice one. It, it, it's clear there's a connection, but there's an evolution going on. There, there's, a, there's a freshness to the nose, albeit... Mm-hmm. You could smell it's old, right? There's, there's that, that, there's a note that I can never put <laughs> words to, other than, oh, that smells old. Oh, that's had time in oak, right? Do you know my? Do you know how I describe it? Yeah. And, and this isn't going to be positive, but this is how I describe it: mildewy pillowcases. Oh, that's not bad. Sp- speak to an age. On the nose for me. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So so here we go. Oh my gosh. This is so fucking great. So my grandparents growing up, they had two... I would spend weekends there, right? Because my mom, fresh off a divorce, she was dating and she had her dating life. And, that, and, that, and that's fine. I'm not complaining about my upbringing. I had a great upbringing. But what it allowed for was weekends with my grandparents. And my grandparents had this great sort of like wood panel uh, finished basement. Mm -hmm. And there was a bed there. And beneath the bed were these wood panel like small closets beneath the bed. Inside were dusty old Afghans. Like Mm -hmm. the blankets, not people. And, And that is what I'm getting. It gets back to that dusty fabric right. going on. Wow. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, Holy listen, I, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to finish this before we've officially toasted. And so join me mm. in a raising of the glass to our listeners, yep. our Elijah and our Jess, mm-hmm. all those who lined up for interviews for One Nation Under Whiskey in 2021, those who sold us casks in 2021. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the year 2021. And to you, Joshua, and to me, Jason. Cheers. Cheers. One elephant, two two elephant, elephant, three elephant, elephant, four four elephant, elephant, five five elephant. elephant. There we go.
Was that too fast? I was racing to get to the dram, so. No, what's really nice about you and me doing elephants together, and I, by the way, poured a glass of water because you shamed me from my beer. Um... I just haven't really been drinking beer. I have my one beer a week on uh, pizza and movie night, and that's that. Yeah, I I have about a beer, maybe two a week. But I figured, you know what, let's have fun. And then when you said you weren't interested in having fun, I decided to grab a glass of water. Here's here's the honest truth. The, the only beer that I now keep in the house does not go with whiskey. And so I never think about pouring one with the other. What beer? Okay, so if you have a beer that doesn't go with whiskey, it's got to be some sort of like a a saison or a sour. Yeah, yeah, some you're farmhouse. Yeah, right? yeah, yep, 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 yep. So yeah, it yeah, it's the uh, Dogfish Head Sequench, and so oh, yeah, there's, not a bad there's one. salt, there's seaweed, there's black limes. <laughs> oh, I I love it as a beer, but. It, it does not go with whiskey. You don't think it would go with an Ardbeg or something? I mean, all those things it, reek of Ardbeg to me. It is. Once I start listing those out, they sound like they would, and they don't. <laughs> hmm. I think it's just too puckering. I think it's the puckering quality rather than the the actual flavors themselves. I think it's the, that it puckers. Are we still talking about whiskey? <laughs> um, I just I want to grab... Um, oh. A welcome whiskey. Let's have a let's have okay. a welcome whiskey. 